You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Welcome to this week's edition of Momentum. It is really great to be uh, with you again this week. Uh, Tim in the chair and Des as well from the opposite side of the country. How are you doing, Des? Are you good? I'm doing great, man. It's great to be on this call. It's fantastic. It's great to have Rob with us. I know you're going to introduce him anyway, so that's all good. Officially, Des just, Des just yeah, gave you a bit of a sneak peek into what's happening this week. But before we get there, uh, Momentum Australia is the website. You can uh, go there and check out a whole bunch of resources for yourself that will help you in your journey doing life that little bit better. Uh, give us some feedback about the show. If you've got some questions too or topics that you'd love us to explore, by all means, do that on the website. Uh, you can check out the podcast as well for previous episodes of Momentum. And if you feel inclined to support this not-for-profit organization and ministry. Uh, We'd love to have your support so that we can continue to do that. Again, MomentumAustralia.org is the website for more details. Uh, Timidez, with you, as we said, this is Momentum. It's a men's show by men for men. And we've got a great bloke in uh, the studio with us today. His name is Rob Furlong. Rob's the senior pastor of Woodvale Baptist Church here in Perth since 2017. Prior to that, though, he served at Perth's Thornley Church of Christ and also a Baptist Churches of WA as a pastoral consultant. He is passionate about leadership development, uh, mission, and God's Word. He has extensive experience in teaching, training, preaching to both leaders and church members. Over the years, he's also had regular spots on radio and was a regular guest of mine for a few years too, offering wisdom and advice around relationships. Something he's well informed to do because Rob's been married to Karen for I don't know how many years. We'll find that out. But he's got four kids and 15 grandkids. Rob Furlong, officially welcome to Momentum. Thanks, Tim. Great to be here. And Des, nice to meet you as well. Yeah, likewise. So um, we've just given you a, a brief background of uh, you know who you are, but we're going to explore that this week. And sure. uh, the next show we do with you, we want to get really topical about something that you've done recently. Bit of a tease for next week, but let's get back to right now. Tell us a bit about your upbringing. What was that like for you? Because for a lot of us, that impacts wildly on how we live as adults. So tell us a bit about your upbringing. So I was born into a non-Christian Catholic family, and like our other esteemed co-host here today, Des, <laughs> actually an Irish, an Irish Catholic background is is what I came from. Uh, but I, I couldn't even tell you at what point my family. Uh, moved to Australia. It's gone back, you know, several generations. Mm. But interesting mix in that because so there was the on my grandfather's side this Irish Catholic mix, but my grandmother was half Italian, right? So when you talk about a background, it, it is actually an interesting background because you put Irish and Italian together. Yes, it's a pretty fiery yes. mix, actually. You end up with pasta and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very carb heavy. <laughs> yes, so th- there was a whole bunch of stuff that came with that, and some of the things as we talk about. I-, I guess if I want to get to the heart of growing up into that family, relationships was an interesting way. We had an interesting way of doing relationships in my family, mm. and particularly coming out of the uh, Italian side, the whole business of grudges and forgiveness was actually a very big issue in mm. my family. And As in it wasn't done well? It was not done very well at all. Right. So grudges were held. Uh, forgiveness was was rare. There were, cert- there were certain no-go zones. In, I can remember my dad saying to me that, you know, there were certain things he could just not forgive people for. Wow. So, and, and I've discovered that's not um, dissimilar to other people from a background with some Italian heritage as well. That whole relationship thing, holding grudges, unforgiveness, big deal. Mm. So that was a very big deal mm. in my family. 
So that would create wow. interesting conversations around family gatherings. Uh, if certain people couldn't forgive someone or if there was tension or people just didn't speak to one another. Do, do you remember that as a kid? Do you remember those sorts of tensions? Well, they were interesting conversations. You just didn't have them. Because <laughs> you just didn't have them. That was the other thing. You didn't talk about certain things. But yes, so for example, there was a period in my early teens probably late primary school, early teens, when my grandmother was, because my, my grandparents separated when my father was eight, but she was had a lot of expectations and demands, and her expectation was that dad would come over and be working in her garden mm. every Sunday afternoon. Mm. Anyway, he drew a line in the sand over that, and as a result, Nana refused... Uh, to come to Christmas, she just cut us off completely. Oh wow! So, but wow. here's here's the weird dynamic, right? So, her and Pop have been set not divorced because for a Catholic that was a, a yes. big no-no for him. Mm. But here's the mm. deal: they have lived separately for decades, still did everything together as a married couple. But now that but they they're separated, right? Now that Nana's not coming to Christmas, mm. Pop doesn't come mm. because he doesn't want to upset her. So oh. this went on for, it felt like a long time. It was probably maybe two years at the outside three Christmases. But when you're a young kid, that's a long time. Mm. And just yeah. no communication with Nana. Everything's cut off and all this kind of stuff. And finally, finally, the breakthrough came. I think there was one Christmas. We're getting, I was getting to my later teens and my other brother. We just decided something has got to be done here. And so we went down and we, we just about begged our grandfather to come to Christmas. Wow. And he did. He, he broke down, like not crying, but broke down, came to Christmas. And then at some point, things got restored with Nana and, you know, but nobody ever talked about it. Sure. So that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember that yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. So aside from, from, from that, which obviously is something you remember vividly, mm. tell us a bit more about your childhood. What, what was that like for you? What was the dynamic at home for you? Yeah. That's a really. I'm just trying to think of the the right word to say, Tim. It was, look, it, we were a good family in the sense that Dad was a good provider. Uh, Mum came from a background. Uh, she was um, the terminology used in those days was she was a bastard. She was the product of an affair. Mm. So uh, her mum was an alcoholic. My mum uh, was an alcoholic, but she's come out of this horribly broken situation you've got dad coming out he's an only child coming out of his broken situation and they don't have great skills in terms of raising kids you know my recollections of dad was mm. a lot when we were young he's very angry mm. uh, and you didn't want to upset him uh, mum could be uh, you know very nasty at times but but not all the time but there was just that dynamic there that probably I think led for me a lot of anxiety and insecurity and and yet there was the other side of it where what mum and dad tried to do, they had they didn't have many tools or skills at all mm. for raising kids. Yeah, of course. They did the best with what they had. Mm. And dad, they were both determined to keep the family together, which they did. But that, you know, they had three sons, but that, that came at a price because it meant that certain issues never got dealt with. For example... We never talked about mum's alcoholism, which is, you know, I know now, that's the classic sign of an alcoholic family. You, everybody knows there's a problem, right. but you never talk about it. That's right. And then years later, the conversation comes up, and I can remember Dad saying, well, son, we've talked about this. I'm sitting there going, no, no we, we haven't. haven't. <laughs> so wow. 
can I ask then, you, you mentioned mum and the, the Lord has used her in your life, but, but then put the flip side of that, yeah. we're, we're dealing with an alcoholic mum as well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's almost like this extreme or juxtaposition where she's got this incredible voice on one hand, but then there's this other stuff happening behind the scenes that nobody's really talking about. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying my mum was a Christian. Now, both my parents have passed away, but it, I... I got to lead them to through prayers of repentance before they died. Mm. So I'm trusting yes. God that, that they're there. You know, I mean, there's always some doubt around that, but mm. God knows the intent yeah. of their heart. Uh, but see, what I, came to real, what I came to discover was, because I, the second major time it happened was at a period in my relationship with Karen where uh, we, we met, she got converted, we met, started dating, we got engaged fairly soon and then uh, Karen went through a period because there was a lot of stuff in her life that had to be dealt with and she went through a period where she walked away from the Lord for a period well she did but she didn't but um, she made some poor choices got herself into a fix and uh, we split up you know she just uh, in terms of broke off the engagement Hmm. anyway in the midst of all this and so I just didn't pursue her you know because I've been told look don't you know give her some space Mm. and stuff like this Mm. but there was this very significant moment after about three months of this when and I'd I'd started to think to myself I think I need to go and talk to Karen I need to make an approach to her and my mum says to me you know if you love this girl you want to need to go after her Mm. wow I talked to a guy in our church and again I can remember sitting in the car we're talking and I said to him hey Vince can God talk through non-Christians? <laughs> and he said, it's a valid question. And he said, absolutely. And I told him what had happened. And he said, you should do it. Mm. And I did. And that was one of the turning points mm. in Karen and I. Um, or certainly in Karen coming back to the Lord. It wasn't the only turning point, but it was one of those. And it was significant. Yeah. And she was only, you know, let's bear in mind, she was only probably six months in her faith. But there was a lot of junk yeah. that she had to deal with. Mm. And uh, and that's that's part of our story in terms of the kind of ministry God has given us over the years. Right. So just one question, Rob. How did you guys meet? At church. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but see, that is, so brief snapshot on the story. So I'm 19 years of age. So it's 1979. And I'm told that this girl has come to Christ and she's only... 19, well, she was 18, they got that wrong. But they're trying to line me up. I haven't even met the girl and they're trying to line me up. And me being <laughs> stubborn the way I am, uh, I just thought, no one's lining me up. And so she comes to church the next day. Like, my wife is gorgeous, you know, but I'm just going, no way, you know, I'm just, because I'm not going to be set up. Well, it didn't take long for me to change my opinion. And so uh, a couple of weeks later, um, I approached the pastor telling him I was thinking of inviting her out because he'd been counselling her and stuff like that. And we met. Karen had come from a Baptist family, but her, mm. her mum and dad were not... Her mum had come to faith in her 40s when the marriage broke up, but uh, they, her dad was not a Christian. They were not practising, but it was her grandmother and, and her dad's brother uh, he, he, and his wife who prayed for Karen. It's a, it's a long story there. Let's take a short break and come back and explore then how you guys started unpacking 
some of the stuff when you first got married, but then also your ministry journey as well and how you've ended up yeah. to, to where you are today. This, that's on the other side of this break. We're going to take a short break. In the meantime, again, check out the website for details of Momentum. You are listening to Momentum. MomentumAustralia.org is the website. If you'd like to offer your, uh, some feedback, some questions, or your support to Momentum, you can head to the website, MomentumAustralia.org. We'll be back with Rob Furlong in just a moment. Well, welcome back to Momentum Australia, our Momentum show, Men for Men. And we're talking today with Rob Furlow, who's uh, been a senior pastor at Woodville Baptist Church since 2017. Rob, welcome back to the second half of the show. Thanks, Des. And I don't want to correct you, but it's Furlong. Furlong. Oh, sorry. I'm not offended. <laughs> Believe me, I've been called all sorts of things over the years. So Maybe you should just change your uh, surname, Rob. might uh, make it easier. <laughs> it might. It might. <laughs> It's really cool. We were talking earlier about uh, with Rob about his family and growing up and the conflicts in the in the dynamics of the family and how he ended up, you know, coming to Christ and and so he had met his wife and and they had started their relationship. So talk us through what happened at that point, Rob. So there's probably two things I'll focus on. One will be for Karen and stuff that she was carrying, mm-hmm. and stuff for myself and how we began some of the process of working it out. Mm. So I'd mentioned earlier that you know Karen uh, drifted away from Christ for a period of time. One of the key issues for her was that she said yes to this guy. She loves me, and, th- and, and that never changed, even in that three-month period, but she um, had a secret. And mm. she's, her, she was saying, as she said, I've said yes to this guy, but he doesn't know me. Hmm. And mm. so there came the night when we had got back together and we were starting to explore our relationship. We didn't get engaged straight away, but re-engaged again. But she sat me down. Uh, we were um, up at my parents' place. We were out in the park that was there and we were sitting there chatting. And she told me her story, and, and part of her story was that at the age of 15 she had an abortion. Wow. And... Uh. Now, if you know my wife, she, like, I'm telling you, she will kill for her kids. So that instinct in her mm. as a mother has been in her from an early age. Mm. That abortion is always deeply traumatizing. It was, it traumatized yeah. her. She never wanted that to happen. Anyway, so, but she thought, this guy doesn't know me. Uh, yeah. And I need, and she had been told, she had been told beforehand. For good reasons, you're a new person in Christ. You don't have to talk about that. But she kept, had kept bringing it up, and so so all of this came together. This all this, and it, you know that's all another story. But she needed to tell me that story, and I mean, of course, that was a shock. Hmm. But uh, I responded. Oh, yeah. my, my head's <laughs> spinning with all of this. But I responded yeah. because I I thought, well, you know, love is a choice, hmm. and so I remember picking hmm. her up in my arms and carrying her to the car. You know, just. I wanted to know that I loved her. So I tell you that part of the story because there was still a lot of shame attached to that. That's part of Karen's story. And we got married in 1981. That was great. But whenever that subject would come up, because we're both 
strongly pro-life. Mm. But whenever that subject came up in Christian circles or with friends, I could always feel Karen tense up. Mm. And I knew I had to be careful. Yeah. So it, on one hand, it's been great as a pastor because I've had a wife who has experienced the pain and trauma of this. So how mm. I've approached this subject has always been with compassion. You don't, you don't condemn, but you come yeah. with compassion. Mm. But there came a point where, and it, was, it would have been 20 years after she'd had the abortion, so she was in her mid-30s, and I'm sitting in my office at Thornley, I'm listening to this tape, and this lady shared her story, and I thought, this just sounds like Karen's story. And it was that God moment when I thought, I've got to go home and share this mm. with her. So I go home, I said, I've been listening to this tape, I want you to listen to it, I'm not saying anything, mm. I'll come back at lunch. I came wow. back, she was ironing, she's thinking, I'm going to listen to this, but she did. I came back and she was a mess. Wow. Oh, dear. But that was the beginning of actually healing the deeper hurt. Mm. But the thing was, it took us a long time to get there, and it was a God thing, and it's being sensitive to when God is moving in this. We, we, weren't, we never hid anything. She wasn't hiding anything, but she'd never dealt with the shame and the hurt mm. and yeah. the stuff, and that's where God started to, to bring all that out. I just want to come from a, a male perspective there and, and your response in that, because the reality is, obviously, she... When you guys started getting close in your relationship, she ran away. She was mm. carrying all of that stuff. And then she came back and realized that she had to tell you this story. I just want to, I suppose, highlight the importance of your response in that moment. Because that could have yeah. that, that could have broken things again for her. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Obviously, you'd had the conversation. You knew that. You could see that this was still affecting her. Uh, as a husband and wife navigating those early years of marriage, let's be honest, it, it's pretty tough because you're getting to know each other and live together and mm. see what it's really like. How was that for you both? So we both married at the age of 20. And what I keep saying to people, and it's not original to me, is at 20 you don't know what you don't know. Right. So yeah, we've had that talk. But because we both came from, dis- you know, everybody comes from a dysfunctional background, but because we, you know, we had all this junk in our families, um. We both, because we're Christians, we both made certain commitments which has stood us in good stead. The first one was we will always resolve conflict. Hmm. Now, did we have the best resolving skills for yes. conflict? No way. <laughs> no way. But did we resolve conflict? Every time. Somehow or other we would get there. We, all, we chose we would always resolve conflict. Hmm. And that stood us in good stead. And to be honest with each other, you know, there were certain, and oh, and the other one was we were not going to make the same mistakes that our family had made. Mm. So I knew enough. Yeah. I, I knew before I met Karen, and this is God's this is God's grace in my life because of I'm, I've been I've, I've said to people I've had this weird Catholic evangelical upbringing, um, born born into a non Christian family but raised in an evangelical church. So I've got this weird kind of background, <laughs> and but there were certain. I, I, there were th- certain things I learned and I saw in godly men in the church who uh, spoke into my life and I think that's a key factor here mm. and so I knew enough I knew enough that if I was going to get married I didn't want it to be like my mum and dad mm. Yeah, I, I was going to do things differently and Karen was the same so we made that commitment we're not going to do things t- the same that's what I want to say to blokes is guys don't just think about this generation mm. think of the next hundred years anchoring your family in Christ. Look, it doesn't guarantee anything, but just give it a shot. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's so good. We did not have the skills, but we resolved Hmm. conflict. Hmm. 
and we've gotten better at it. <laughs> we've, it's been a growing journey. Well, look, let's be honest. I mean, the reality is that we're not taught that stuff well. Most of us aren't taught conflict no. resolution well, especially by our parents. Uh, and, and so we, we have to intentionally go looking for that. And that requires a sense of intentionality, but uh, vulnerability and honesty uh, to go up to people in our lives. And again, you, you said this, Rob, and, and we certainly are all about this at Momentum, is finding those people in your life that you can do life well with. And for me, I actually love getting around, and I'm almost 50, but I love getting around elder generations because they do have so much, if you're willing, to teach you uh, if you're open enough. And, and that's why I think, you know, in the church, it's so important for us to get with all sorts of ge- different generations to have different people who can sow into our lives at different levels, um, but also have that accountability piece as well and those safe spaces that we can go to Absolutely. to have those sorts of conversations with. So the issue for me in that in that space was anger. So I had a lot of, and I did the usual Christian mm-hmm. thing with dealing with anger, and that was, well, Christians don't get angry. You just stuff it all down. Right. Yes. And yeah, look, of course I had my angry moments with Karen uh, and, and, you know, in our conflict times, but it really started to service when we had kids and there would be a pattern to my anger. So I, I wasn't, my my anger expressed itself mainly in words. I'm a words person and stuff mm. like not mm. Not the violent hitting stuff, but I could be violent with words and stuff and that was a, a lot of it. But that was a watershed moment when I knew that I had to deal with this mm. and it wasn't going to happen by suppressing it. And so that was the journey for me in starting to deal with that. When you look back at that, what was do you think the trigger was? What was the, the main point of your anger? I think probably that I had never ever actually properly learned to process anger in a healthy way, whatever the situation might be. And so what I what I discovered through the journey was I'm the type of person, there's two types of anger, and the Bible actually talks about it. There's thumos anger and there's orge anger. Thumos anger flares up really quickly and is expressed quickly and then dies mm. down. Mm. Orge anger takes a long time to express itself, but when it does, it's really ugly. Right. And that was me. Right. Mm. I, I would be really patient. And it's up like, to a point. It's up to it's volcanic yeah. anger, and it just simmers away. But all of a sudden, at some point, it erupts, and when it does, it goes on for a long time. Mm. It's not pleasant. And so, actually, identifying what type of anger, uh, and this just this came through reading scripture and studying that, and actually learning to understand the type of anger that I had was a helpful thing but also realising I just never learned healthy ways to express it and all of a sudden I'm now reading the Bible I'm reading Ephesians and it talks about let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth da, da, da. I'm going my gosh how, how do you miss how do you, how do you miss this hmm. but there it all is yeah. be angry but do not sin right. what is the sin well the way we express yeah. it and so this was like lights going on for me yeah so, so, Rob, that's really interesting in terms of guys who are watching this, listening to the show, um, and they'd be saying as "Well, I get angry, and you know, I don't know how to deal with it, and I don't have any advice on how to deal with it." So, what would you say to somebody like that? You know, a man who's frustrated, maybe through COVID or losing his job or whatever that looks like. What would you say to a man, Christian or non-Christian? And perspective may be different, but what would you say to those men to help them get over that that anger in their world? I was angry. I don't even know how I get, I think when I gave my life to the Lord, I get over it. But um, 
but you know, men need tools that will help them work through that stuff. I actually think the first step is what we're talking about here today. Go and talk to a trusted man yeah. and get his perspective, whether that be a Christian leader or a guy in your church that you respect, or but a man that you respect, and tell him your story. Because, I mean, I hear that a lot, Des. I get angry mm. in this, that, and the other. Mm. Go and tell that story to a man you respect and get his perspective and be open to getting honest feedback about whether he thinks that's good yeah. or not. That's the I think that's the first step. And take the step sure. yourself because if you take the step yourself, you're halfway there. Mm. Mm. The thing was, you know, okay, Karen spoke into my life and she was honest, but she said, you've got to deal with this. But I knew she was right. Like this wasn't a case of me being pushed into it. I thought, she's right. Mm. I've crossed the line. So it's that revelation moment. But mm. go and talk to another man, and I would say in the first step, and get his perspective. What do you think about this? If he's a godly bloke, he's going to tell you, cut the excuses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then you may need to talk to a counsellor, but there are some tools. I've got just some simple stuff I could make available to you guys if guys want to log on to your website. Mm. There's just some simple little exercises. Um, mm. Yeah. And there's, there are good materials out there. Yeah. Uh, we will actually get those off you, Rob, and we will make them available at the website, MomentumAustralia.org. Uh, our special guest is Rob Furlong. Rob, we are running out of time, and we've we've scratched the surface of the second part of your story, but I do just want to quickly say in the few minutes that we've got left, can we talk about your burnout? Yeah. So, so in 2006, you, you hit a burnout. Tell us a bit about what that was like for you. It was awful. <laughs> it was, <laughs> okay. it's the, but Put some meat on those bones for us. It's T- the worst, it best like? experience I've ever had in my life. Right. So it was the worst because it was the pits. Mentally, I was not in great shape at all. Um, How old were you at that I was 46 when this happened. And it was probably 20-something years in the making. It just, you know, and again, understand, I've never, I'm not saying there haven't been times when I've crossed the line, but I've always worked hard. You could talk to my kids and my wife about this to maintain a healthy balance in ministry with the family but what I was doing I'm still maintaining all the family commitments but I'm just going for it in ministry and at that point one among other things we were putting we put over a four-year period 200 men through sexual addiction issues that just comes with a whole bunch of stuff and I wasn't processing things well Mm. and not downloading Mm. so I had a collapse in this time actually 15 years ago was when I collapsed and I had to have six months out but it was a time of rebuilding restoring uh, I, I discovered through that that I had suffered from OCD all my life. <laughs> so at 46, oh. going on 47, <laughs> find this out. But that's mine's more in the headspace. So I discover all of that. But it was a period of God rebuilding me. Hmm. Into, and so out of that come a, came a greater self-awareness. Uh, establishing some new commitments in ministry boundaries those types of things so for, for guys listening right now because the reality is we all have moments in our lives we've and the three of us in this room have lived long enough to know that um there, there are periods of life where it, you're just tired or you feel flat or yeah. you know you, you go through the midlife and it's all about the routine of work and family and work and family and, and this yeah. this is my life how do i know if it's just the season i'm in and i've just got to endure the season or whether I'm on the road to burnout, what are the what are the key signs? Do you think? 
for me, I was obsessing about stuff. I couldn't get it off my mind. I wasn't. I wasn't processing stuff. I was literally bouncing from one ministry thing to another. Uh, I felt constantly that demands were being made of me. I'm trying to fulfil all of these demands, but I didn't have any time for myself. I had no time to process. I think you've got to look at what's going on in, pardon me, what's going on in your head. I think there is the physical aspect with burnout. You start, you just have no energy. I think for some people in burnout, there's the, the aspect of they just don't want to get out of bed in the morning. That's part of it. It can manifest itself. For some, it can be in anger. For others, it might be just complete withdrawal or uh, a shutting down emotionally. It's certainly a lot severer than the normal ups and downs that we mm. have. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think when this stuff is just ongoing, and I was trying everything. I'm thinking it's the devil attacking me and all this sort of stuff. Mm. Of course, there's spiritual attack in it, but there was more to it. And once I... It, it, it took probably four months before a friend of mine said, I think you've been through a burnout. Hmm. Oh, okay. And it was like another light go on. <laughs> it was that a pit. <laughs> so again, mm-hmm. talking to people actually helps with this. But yeah, and this, there's still a book to be written on that, which I would like to do. But yeah, that, that would be some of the signs, I think. Hmm. Okay. Um for for guys listening, if they can feel themselves heading into that space, and you know, Des mentioned rightly so, with everything that's been happening over the last eighteen months or thereabouts, with job losses and the stresses of this, that, and the other, that we're all carrying to some degree. What would you recommend to guys who perhaps right now may not necessarily be heading towards burnout, but aren't really coping with the season too well? What's some advice for them? I cert- I keep coming back to talk to another man. They. The biggest, the biggest thing that guys struggle with is they think they're the only one. It doesn't matter whether it's struggling with burnout or sexual addiction, whatever it is, that, or alcohol addiction, whatever it is they might be struggling with. The problem for us as guys is we think we're the only ones struggling like this. That, that Yeah, other people have problems, but they haven't got problems like me. Hmm. And so what the devil wants to do is to keep you isolated. The best thing you can do is talk to another man. And hmm. from there start to seek some help as well professionally for some of these issues. If it is a sexual addiction, if it is an alcoholic addiction, whatever it is, there is professional help out there that you can get and be prepared to submit to that and do the work. Hmm. But the I, I think critical critically in this, I don't want to labor the point, is talk to another man that you trust and start to get support. That was what started to help me to make my journey, to know there are other guys there who will support you, and they will. There will be guys there to support you and to hmm. realize you know what? I'm not the only one. Right. The devil will want to keep you isolated. He'll want to keep you uh, having your mouth shut. Don't listen to that. You're not on your own. You're not the only bloke who's struggling with. You're not the only bloke who's screwed up in whatever it is mm. you've done. You're not the only bloke. There's millions of others on the planet who've done it, and some of them are your friends. <laughs> talk to them. Don't be afraid yeah. to talk to them. Yeah. Awesome. That is all we've got time for this week's Momentum with uh, Rob Furlong. But, Rob, we're going to invite you back next week. And uh, we're going to have a very different discussion next week, a topic that you've been delving into in your church over the last few weeks, and one that is very poignant right now. We'll come back next week with Rob Furlong. In the meantime, love you to check out the website, MomentumAustralia.org. 
and you can hear previous episodes of Momentum. And also, if you'd love to support this ministry and keep us on the air, we'd love to have your support too. Uh, details at MomentumAustralia.org. My thanks to my co-host, Des, as always. Thanks, Des. Thank you, sir. It's always good to be part of the show. And Rob Phil, and we will look forward to speaking with you again next week on Momentum. It. Thank you. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum. Momentum.